0: Have your Bibles. Let's go over to the Book of Lamentations, and this evening we're going to cover the heart of the Book of Lamentations, and that is Chapter Three. And so, Lamentations, just in case you didn't know, is uh, written by the prophet Jeremiah. It was after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC, when the Babylonians had come and they conquered the land after hundreds of years of God's God warning them Uh, they didn't listen you know they didn't listen to the God who made them they didn't listen to their creator who cared for them they continued in sin and as a result of that God uh, says in his word that there was no remedy The only thing left was for God to uh, just bring this judgment down, this discipline down in order to purge them of the idolatry inside their hearts. And so Lamentations is an interesting book. It's actually an acrostic. And that means that uh, chapter one has 22 verses and they coincide with the 22 verses of the Hebrew alphabet. Chapter 2, same thing, 22 verses, uh, coinciding with the 22 verses of the Hebrew alphabet. For us, you know, like, for example, uh, verse 1 is A, verse C, uh, verse uh, 2 would be B, C, and then so on. But now we come to chapter 3, and chapter 3 has 66 verses. And basically what we find is that uh, every three verses begins with uh, the same letter, so... Uh, three verses of A, three verses of B, so to speak, but in the Hebrew language, and and one might wonder why why did they do this? Why did they do the acrostic? Uh, and the answer is because um, uh, number one, it was a form of poetry, but number two, believe it or not, they wanted the the people to memorize the book of Lamentations. Now remember, back then they didn't have books. They didn't have uh, printing presses. They didn't have uh, MP3s or CDs or cassette tapes and stuff like that. So the way that you would pass the word on is, um, I mean, they had some scrolls uh, for the elite, but generally speaking, most people didn't have scrolls. And so a lot of this was uh, passed on orally. And so you might even think, well, why in the world would they want to memorize the book of Lamentations, which is in one sense, a book of just weeping over their sins and how God had judged them. And the simple answer is because um, we don't want to suffer the same fate. You know, there are millions who don't serve the Lord. You guys are Christians. I'm so blessed to see here. You hear on a on a, on a midweek service, uh, there's some that are watching online. To me, that is just so amazing that there are some people who have the hunger for God, have a hunger for his word. But the majority of people out there, um, they have no interest in God whatsoever. And so, uh, unfortunately, they're not learning the lessons that we've seen throughout history and um, you know what ends up happening? Uh, there's this philosopher, George uh, Santayana. He's the one given credit with originating that phrase. Maybe you've heard of it. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. You know, Winston Churchill made it into a paraphrase. He said, "Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it." So I learn. You know, like you know, the mistakes that my dad made. I, I learn from the mistakes that my cousins made. They got you know, whatever, involved in, in drugs and gangs. And next thing you know, they die from the Mexican mafia. There's different ways that you can learn. And so for us, we read the Bible and we, we learn that God is a holy God and that if we uh, live in consistent, insistent, persistent sin, then he will discipline us. And we don't have to go through that. And so for us here, uh, studying history, uh, we see this right here in history uh, is one of the greatest tragedy tragedies in the history of the world. And so the Jews have gone through a lot, huh? Even today, we see the war going on. We see, unfortunately, the tragedy of Hamas. And now they're trying to end this entity that wants to wipe them off the face of the earth. And we saw what happened in the Holocaust. I mean, so much heartache. But one day, the Bible says, that the Jews, generally speaking, will believe in the savior and so until then uh, my prayer for us as individuals is that we would learn from this and that god would just get a hold of our hearts as we desire to live a life that's pleasing to him now in lamentations i mean it's not an easy chapter to outline but there are four things that kind of stood out to me Uh, number one in verses one through 20 we're going to see his heartache uh, verses 1 through 20, and then number 2, we're going to see his hope. And so the heartache is deep, but it's kind of cool because chapter 3 is not just bad. There's actually a lot of hope involved, and we're going to see that today. Maybe you're here, and you're going through hard times, and you're struggling, and there might be someone watching online who doesn't even want to live. Uh, Randy had mentioned that during the season, uh, this is the highest season of suicide. And so, just in case you know you are, you're out there, uh, my prayer is that even as a result of today's study, that you would have hope. may God give you hope for the future so there's the heartache, and then verses twenty one through forty two there's the hope and then we're going to go in verses forty through fifty through fifty four and we're going to see he di- is this pit it's kind of probably symbolic of the pit that Jeremiah was literally in in that in that miry clay where he was sinking down, he thought he was going to die. But then we're going to close the chapter in verses 55 through 66 with his prayer. And so let's go ahead and dive in. Lamentations chapter 3 in verse 1. And and one thing real quick. The chapter, it speaks from like an individual's perspective. You know, it, it's like um, some say it's Jerusalem personified. Others say it 's Jeremiah himself, but I think when you really look at the chapter you 're going to see it 's just Jeremiah writing from the perspective of an individual who would have experienced this uh, this whole nightmare and so it 's not Jerusalem uh, exclusively it 's not jeremiah exclusively this just he 's just writing uh, as an individual going through this. Uh, imagine. Uh, Again, uh, just in case you haven't been here um, and you didn't know what this was all about, um, the Babylonian army coming in, you know, they'd surrounded the city uh, 586 BC. I mean, we're talking about the heartache of women even eating their own children because there was no food and the soldiers coming in. The guys are weak. They're just uh, they're just dying everywhere. There's there's murder everywhere. There's famine, there's disease, there's this heartache. And then just the the Jews are then carried away uh, to Babylon. We're talking about them gouging out eyes. And in those days, they would cut off limbs. I mean, it was just the most horrible thing you can think of. Kind of like what we saw Hamas do to the Jews in Israel. So imagine the women being ravished. Imagine having to have gone through all that. This is what we see is the backdrop to the book of Lamentations. And so the thing about it is that it's not just something you you might look at, you know, the Israel. You might look at even what's going on in Palestine and and you kind of see the big picture and that, you know, I guess there's a place for that. But you can't just look at things like, you know, generally, you can't just look at things like nationally. You have to be able to see things personally. How individually this man, his wife was ravished and then murdered and then their kids. What is that man going through? And now as he's writing, you know, you get to, you get to kind of understand the personal perspective. And that's kind of how this chapter is written. So look what it says in verse 1. Uh, he says, I am, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. And and obviously, you know, this individual is just being honest. Maybe you're here. I don't know if you've ever like really just been honest with God. Like, Lord, you know, why did that person, why did this have to happen? Why? And you know, you're going through things. They knew, they knew they were being disciplined and he knew who was ultimately behind the discipline. It it wasn't really the Babylonians, it was God. And all the pain and all the affliction and all the anguish and all the agony and all the suffering and all the darkness and all the death. It was just devastating everywhere. Who did this? It was God. And here you are, you're praying, you're even shouting in your prayer. But God doesn't hear. This is where this individual is now. Maybe you're out there, I and mean, you're one of those guys. You know, you just you never complain. You never, you know, are 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 like you know. You're just I don't know. Some guys, it's almost like we're e- emotionless, you know, and you know we don't talk to God about the pains and the struggles and the questions that we have and and you're almost we're almost calloused sometimes and maybe you know that that's an advantage that you have but I'll tell you what if you're being disciplined by God if there's physical things that God is allowing to happen to your life and you're not even in tune with God about that that's not a good place to be and so you you kind of got to bring it to the Lord it, it's actually good to be able to articulate what's happened. Notice in verse 9 it says, He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set set me up as a target for the arrow, He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. Earlier in in, in verse 7, it says he has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. Here in verse 9, it says he has blocked my ways with hewn stone. There are some commentators that believe that the, the Assyrians were actually the one that, that, that kind of started this in, in, in large scale and the Babylonians picked up on it. They would literally put people in confined quarters like sardines. They would just pack them in and there was no way out and they would just begin to die in that condition. And you, we can't even begin to imagine the horror that they were experiencing And not just blocked by God. Right here in verse 10, he says God was like a lion, like like a bear. Uh, I mean, a a beast um, hunting him. Even then he kind of switches it around. He's like an archer, you know, and he's got his bow that's pointing in my directions. And it's not just pointing in my direction, he's piercing me. I mean, imagine someone shooting you with a gun, with an arrow. This is what God has done to me God has done to us verse 14 he says I, I have become the ridicule of all my people they're their taunting song all the day and of course we know Jeremiah went through this as a prophet of the Lord we read that in Jeremiah 20 verse 7 but he says God God has filled me with bitterness he has made me drink or wormwood it's bitter it's poison he has also broken my teeth with gravel And covered me with ashes. And so as I'm getting older now, I don't know, you guys, you appreciate your teeth, right? So you don't have to floss all your teeth, just the ones you want to keep. Remember that, okay? (laughs) And so here's Jeremiah and he's like, man, my teeth are all messed up because I've been eating rocks. There's no food. And a lot of people believed that what they would do is they would, you know, there was the grain, there was the threshing floor, you know, and there was no food anywhere, so maybe there's a little bit of grain right there, so they would kind of sweep it up, put it in the dustpan, and try to make bread out of it, try to eat at least that. And what that did is it messed up their teeth. This is where this, and this is what they experienced. You know, we have so much food, we don't have, don't have a clue. But we should try to put ourselves In this place where these guys, they they had no food. Like I said earlier, it's hard to even conceive of the fact that a woman, a mom would eat her child, but there was no food. And so here he's just pouring out his heart. He says there in verse 17, you have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. You know, and I can't even begin to imagine the justice of God. Because you might read this and you might think, man, God is so bad that God would allow this to happen to them. You want to know what that is? That That's probably even less than what they deserve. And in all reality, you guys, we have to understand what the Bible teaches. It's less than what we would deserve. Because we sinned against God. And so I can't even begin to imagine what would happen if God just gave us justice. You know, right here he says... Um, you know, my, um, you have moved me, my soul, far from peace. Be, because when one is an enemy of God, how can there be peace? You know, there's no peace without Jesus. But but the Jews back then, they continued to live without the living God. And today we see it as well. People continue in their sin, murders, molesters. They're out there, the liars, the lusters, the haters, the hitters. They're all out there, right? The the adulterers, the abusers, the atheists. Um, some are positional. Some are just practical atheists. They say they believe in God, but they don't live as if there really is a God. Some people, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Well, do you do what he tells you to do? I mean, for me, and I pray, uh, it's not just for pastors. You guys, we got to know this. Uh, I wake up in the morning get out of bed and just all day long God is the one that I have to live for I mean I wake up in the morning and you know my prayer is that Lord just all day long I'm not going to think anything or say anything or do anything or make any decisions or just be anything that would displease you but most people they don't live that way I know a lot of you do a lot of you have that heart You know, this was a a tough time, the way that they didn't obey God. And then there were the religious leaders of that day who were only in it for themselves. And so this is what Judah was facing. There was Jeremiah and there was a couple other prophets, but the priests and the leaders and the religious guys, for the most part, they were not in it for the, the Lord and they didn't have a relationship with God. And so, you know, no one wanted to hear them. I mean I just I'm so blessed again I was thinking about it man you guys would come to a Bible study I mean it's a it's an it's an amazing thing they they would not come to a Bible study you know and so that was where they were and then after hundreds literally hundreds of years of warning the day finally arrived it's it's time to pay up the day of reckoning the day of justice And so you have the lamentation. And I don't know how you guys feel reading this stuff. You know, I'm not sure, you know, if you enjoy it. I don't think it's all that palatable, but we need to taste this for what it is. We need to take it in. And just my prayer is a simple doctrine of the fact that God is a holy God and he will discipline the believer and punish the non-believer. Right, A very simple verse uh, just to know one of the staple scriptures of the Bible is Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. Say, don't let someone out there deceive you into thinking anything different. Even some of these guys that say they're Christians. No, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh would of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so, it, don't be deceived. Don't let anyone think you that you can, you know, you're going to get like a, you're going to find a loophole in this whole thing. No, if we plant sin, we will reap the harvest of that. This is God in His love communicating to us. Don't plant bad seed. Plant good seed. And what we find right here is as simple as that. In Lamentations, you know, we we see this unnecessary misery and uh, we can't miss it. We have to take it in. That's why it's so cool. Most people probably wouldn't read the book of Lamentations unless you guys are, you're at a church. And I know a lot of you guys were raised in, in churches that will tell you to read the whole Bible, because in one sense, it takes a, a whole Bible to make a whole Christian, right? You got to get the full counsel of God. And so here we are studying the book of Lamentations. But, but the beautiful thing about it is that it doesn't end in misery. It doesn't. Uh, today, I was reading in my devotions, Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2, where it says, even in wrath, God remembers mercy. And you'll see that as you're reading through the prophets, and there are all these prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the minor prophets Daniel. The thing about it is that it's so cool is that as you're reading about God saying, I need to discipline my people, I will judge the world, there's always the mercy that's mingled in there. There's always the opportunity. Listen, you don't have to experience that. I have this life for you, but you've got to choose to obey. It's there for you. And so even in wrath, God remembers mercy. You know, here's something that Lord showed me. God's heavy hand would fall, but grace would follow. And it's so cool the way that God does that with his kids. Because we're God's children, he must chasten us. But as he chastens us, he will change us. And that's what he did for the Jews. He purged them of their idolatry. And so we're going to see he continues working on them. But, but, but looking, first of all, at the heartache, we next look at the hope. In, in verse 21, notice what the Jeremiah says. This, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let me read that again, because I, I, I don't, this is such an important passage. He says, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. He's saying, I, I'm objectively, I'm, I'm going to just, I know this truth. I, I remember this truth. Uh, this is something maybe he was taught. The Holy Spirit showed him. This I recall to mind, I, I'm, I have hope. He says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. As a matter of fact, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And, and, you know, he probably wasn't feeling it, but he was knowing it. He was remembering. He was calling to mind. And what that did is it brought hope. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, you might not be feeling it. You know, you might be going through stuff and things happen. Um, don't don't walk by feelings. Walk by faith. Don't walk by emotions. You walk by convictions. This is how we live. And you bring it back to your mind. And you, you know that you're God's kids. So he won't consume you. And whatever it is that you're going through, it might look like there's no way out, like there's no hope. But, but there is. And here Jeremiah, he gets into it. You know, we do, I do deserve to be consumed, destroyed, and just, uh, 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 not just annihilated, but sent to that place called the Lake of Fire. But we, as God's people, won't experience any of that. And it's not because we, sometimes I think this, you guys, I think, well, eventually, God, I'm going to be a pastor long enough, a Christian long enough, so that I won't fail. Eventually, I'm going to be so good at this, that I won't fail. And God says, he, as, after he laughs uh, for a little bit, he says, Manny, you'll never reach a day or point where you won't fail. My, my compassions are the, is, what, is what won't fail. That, that won't fail. My faithfulness for you. It, it's because God's... I love the fact that the, the word compassions is, is in plural. You know, that his compassions are new are, are, are new Every morning. And, and and to me, I think that's part of the reason why God made us the way He did. You know, I don't know if you see it this way, but the 24-hour cycle that we all experience, uh, to where we wake up with the sun, we hit the sack after about 16 hours or so, our bodies are designed to supernaturally recharge, and then we wake up not only with new energy, right? But I, I think that if we're we're open to God, there's a sense of a new beginning every single day of our life. Maybe you're here today and you need a new beginning. This is what God does. This is what he specializes in. It's been said the Christian life is simply a series of new beginnings. And here we have this every single day, the new mercy. Jeremiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was aware of this. Even when all hope was eclipsed from his human eyes, he realized, you know what, I can't see it and I don't know how God's gonna do it. It looks crazy, you know, the all the people are off to Babylon and when you read the book of Jeremiah, not only were they taken away f- from Babylon, but then even the governor that was left there was killed, you know, and then they you know, they fled to Egypt. That's where Jeremiah died. Jeremiah died in Egypt. And so, you know, you look at it and it's like, there's no there's no hope. But but he knew there was. He just knew it because, it, not because he could see it or he could figure it out, but because he knew the promises of God. He knew who God was. And this is where we need to be. You know, they may have lost their health. They lost their wealth. They lost the glorious city, that amazing city temple they they lost the land they lost so many loved ones along the way and all their dreams they had well these were my dreams and this was my destiny all that was was gone they they lost so much but they didn't lose everything because they didn't lose god And, and to us that's the most important part of life the most important person in life as a matter of fact verse 24 it says the lord is my portion says my soul therefore i hope in him i hope in him now now again more than likely you know we're we're not all that bad most of you guys have food at home right you're going to go home and have some cereal right is it okay to have cereal at night in the evening i think it is because you can have a cookie and milk what's the difference Just get cookie crisps, cereal, right? Stuff like that. Anyways, um, you know, um, but but there might be some here who uh, you look at your life and maybe you're going through crazy things and maybe there might be some who are going through crazy things and you did it to yourself. Now, some people are going through crazy trials, and it wasn't you. It was because you were doing something right, like Job, and he went through crazy trials. But, but others, they're going through crazy, you know, discipline because they did something wrong. And the one over here who's going through this whole crazy thing because they've done something wrong, they might think, well, I, I'm not going to make it out. I'm not a Job. I did this to myself, and so I'm going to die. I'm going to sink. There's no future for me. Oh, yes, there is. This is where they were. They were exactly in that scenario. They had messed up so bad. They had got disciplined in a severe way. But Jeremiah said, I know God, and I know his promises, and I know his unfailing love. He still has a future for you. we're going to see here, you haven't lost the Lord. He says, the the Lord is my portion. You know, I was thinking about that that, that tree. Um, I think it's called the banyan tree in Maui, um, Hawaii. Do you guys remember what happened? It wasn't that long ago, crazy fire In, in Maui. I think 97 people lost their lives now. You know, I don't know if my brother here, there's different people who um, they think that maybe the fire was set intentionally. Um, Any of you guys believe that it was done intentionally, the conspiracy theorists? Uh, Some people believe that. Others believe it was just, you know, it was not done intentionally. But the only reason I bring that up is because um, that, that tree, it's been there, I think, for, what, 150 years, something like that. And uh, it was like the heart. Uh, we had the privilege of going to Maui. Uh, only time I ever been to Hawaii. We went there as a family and we saw the tree. We went to Lahaina. And uh, and so anyways, they were worried about the tree because uh, I guess it had been charred. And they found, but they, they got a picture of it. They sent this one picture. I think we have it right here. And it's interesting to me when I look at that picture because it's like the whole thing is ravaged. But there's like a little bit of life. A little bit of life right there and that's kind of how it is for you for us for that person out there that maybe god wants you to go tell them there's somebody in your life that god will want you to go tell them there is hope there is hope because you're still alive you're still alive and god is alive and so, from what I understand, this tree is doing, is doing good. They are doing a lot of work on it. We're talking thousands of gall- gallons of, of water and money and resources and investing into it, you know, because they want this tree to live. But to me, it's like, man, for us just to know that you're still alive, he's alive, there is hope. You know, it's been said that uh, the hope is the physician of every misery. If you're here today and you're looking at your future and you're thinking, well, there's no hope for me. There's no way it can be good. Then you're missing the whole point of the scriptures. The scriptures say your future is good. You know, one one person said, hope is like the sun, which as we journey toward it, casts the shadow of our burden behind us. But you have to go towards the sun, S-O-N. You have to draw close to Christ. This is the only way. Notice what we read in verse 25. It says that the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. You know, Jeremiah knew that even though it looked as if they'd lost everything, that Since they still had the Lord, all they had to do was be patient and and wait on him and seek him and and be still in that place. And then in time, according to God's will, the good would come. You know, if you're a believer, um, notice what it says right there. um, In verse 24, "The, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. If you're a believer, you can say that. The Lord is my portion. And sometimes you guys need to be, get a little weird and talk to yourself. It's okay. You can say that. The Lord is my portion. I, I don't own a house. I don't have a lot of money. I might not have the big car or whatever it is. You know, the, I don't know what's going to happen when I retire or whatever, if I ever get the opportunity to do that. But I do know one thing. I got the Lord. The Lord is my portion, Right? And so you can say that as a believer, he says he's good to those who, who wait on him, not, not those who hurry him. He's good to those who seek him. You know, maybe you're here and part of the problem is, I think, because we live in a microwave society that, you know, if things don't, you know, look good right away, we immediately get discouraged. No, we need to be patient. We need to wait on the Lord. Spurgeon said, do not be in a hurry. Do not expect to be delivered out of your troubles the first time you begin to cry unto God. Oh, no, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeks him. And so whatever it is that you're going through and you go and you pray and it's already been, whatever, three days and you haven't seen any improvement, God says, no, you got to keep praying. You got to, you know, three years, it might take longer. But God will move. You know, it's interesting how he talks about right here how um, it it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth, which is an interesting uh, uh, truth. Uh, David Guzik said, there are seasons of adversity And sometimes it's better to have those seasons when one is young. If God disciplines us when we're young, it's to train us for a fruitful future. And and so sometimes you see a young person, and and normally we would think like young people, they're going to have a good life. They're going to have an easy life. They should have it easy, right? But sometimes you see these young people going through tremendous trials. And and he says right there, it's good for them because it... It it teaches them, you know, these important truths so that now they can live the rest of their life, hopefully with the character that God has formed in them. You know, I, I was thinking about Daniel. More than likely, he was a young teenager. Some say maybe even 12 years old when he was carried away to Babylon in 605 B.C. And he was there for at least 70 years. But he went through it. More than likely, both his parents died. More than likely... You know, his siblings died, but he went through it as a young man and God formed character. And so, you know, it's a kind of a a cool verse. Not that you would necessarily put it on someone, but um, prayerfully we learn. uh, Some of you guys here, you're younger. You know, you've gone through things. Some of us, we're not younger anymore, huh? You know, but either way, we try to learn those lessons. To me, it's interesting what he says also in verse 28. It says, let him sit alone and keep silent. Because God has laid it on him. You know, when we look at this, and and, and to me, do you guys ever sit alone? Do you ever just sit alone with God and just kind of go over your life? You know, go over the things that are happening and, you know, just kind of take it in and whatever, you have this conversation with with God. And right here, he's complaining. but, But now I think, you know, the reaction now is, no, you know what? Let me just listen for a little bit. You know there are good times for just reflection and listening rather than speaking. And so we got to be careful. Sometimes I, I find myself maybe talking too much. Uh, notice it says there in verse 28, let him sit alone and keep silent. Uh, I've read a story. Uh, Spurgeon said there came a young man to Demosthenes to learn oratory. So he came to this guy, he wanted to learn how to speak, but he just kept talking, you know, he just kept talking and talking and talking at a great rate. And Demosthenes said, I must charge you double fees. Why, he said, because I first have to teach you to hold your tongue and then I can teach you to speak. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, isn't there? Sometimes that's what messes up our communication is because of the fact that we don't know how to set a guard over our mouth asking God to keep watch over the door of our lips and so you know right here it's so important you know he's saying God you know there, there, there's no hope oh yes there is hope as a matter of fact your mercies are new every morning and so we'll do this God even coming to a place look where it says in verse 29 let him put his mouth in the dust there may yet be hope Now, now, can you picture yourself putting your mouth in the dust? But what that was, was a symbolism of total submission. This is where we need to be with God. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever, though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. You know, as we go through the discipline, um, you know, God here just says uh, take it, understand that God will never, you know, have that or have you in a place where it would be too long or too much. The Bible says uh, he will never give us more than we can bear. So whatever it is that you go through in life, and some of you guys here, you've been through it. Some of you here, you will experience things that will rock your world. That the enemy will come in and he'll try to make you question your faith. And right here, he he says, no, I won't do that because I know God has his hand on everything. He doesn't do this willingly, it says in verse 33. He only does it out of necessity. You know, Psalm 119.75, it says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Psalm 119.71 says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You know, there might be some And again, this is a midweek service, so I know it's a little different, but there might be some here who are really not interested in learning the Bible. You know, right here he says, it's good that I got afflicted because now I'm learning the Bible. If that's what it takes, then so be it, Lord, let it come. Look at verse 67 of Psalm 119. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. I mean, God has his path... Ma'am, I pray that we would never veer off of it, but he says it, it took the affliction to keep me on track. And what God is doing, you guys, is he's making the best version of you. He's conforming us into the image of his son. And sometimes it requires discipline. Some of you parents here, have you ever had to discipline your kids? Every once in a while, huh? <laughs> Hebrews twelve ten. For For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seem best to them, speaking of our human fathers, but He, our Heavenly Father, for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. And so as we go through life, I, I pray that we would never lose that anchor of hope. He says in verse 34, again, the Lord doesn't just randomly smash people into prisons. He says in verse 34 to to crush under one's feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the justice due a man before the face of the Most High, or subvert a a man in his cause. The Lord does not approve. He doesn't randomly discipline, but, but he does. Look at verse 37. Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that woe and well-being proceed? Why should a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins or in view of his sins? Verse 40 says, Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. No, I mean you guys wouldn't be like that, I'm, I'm thinking, but can you visualize or can you imagine someone fighting God? You know, they might even come to church and, you know, I'm just going to show up, but I have a different agenda. I'm not really here for God and you watch. I'm going to get away with it. You're not going to get away with it. Oh, no. God has the last word. Who speaks woe? who speaks well-being god does and this is what he says right here you know i think of pharaoh he was fighting god and he had a, a reason you know the money the power but there in the book of exodus it was a very simple command from the creator god said it's time to let his people go let the jews go let my people go the lord said let my people go and pharaoh said who's the lord who's the Lord that I should obey the Lord? I mean, and he fought him tooth and nail and he dragged out that battle. But in the end, who won? The Lord will win every time. Why would you fight it? Surrender your life to God now to 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 the point where our mouths are in the dust. Total submission to God. You can't be like, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to kind of keep this area of my life. You know, it's like a little hidden thing. No one sees it. God sees everything. And so we find right here, he says, no, we can't fight God. You know, Pharaoh's nation was devastated. His army, his great army was destroyed and his son died. Those are things that are unnecessary. We can't fight our heavenly father I pray that we wouldn't even complain against our creator because from his mouth comes the woes and the well-beings. And so it's interesting what he says in verse 40. You guys, let us search out our, our, our and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. I love this. Verse 41, let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven, can you visualize yourself like tonight? Maybe that's what you need to do. Give God your heart to say, "Here, God, I, I give it to you." The heart is your seat of volition. It's where you make your decisions. You give your heart. You don't follow your heart. You you know you tell your heart to submit to God. You give it to God. You know when He talks about searching and examining our ways in verse forty. You know our, our sins. The, the sins that I have, and I have to do this too, not just you, the sins, you know, we, they must not be casually, and superficially confessed, well, we, we don't focus on our sins, and dwell there, but but there are those times, of examination, and, and as we see what's going on, and God shows us the things, that need to be given, and surrendered to him, this is when we make progress, In verse 42, it says, we have transgressed and and rebelled. Uh, You have not pardoned. So why wouldn't God pardon? Why wouldn't God forgive someone? Is it because God is not a a good forgiver? (laughs) No, the only way that God wouldn't pardon someone is if that person refuses the forgiveness that is provided in his son, Jesus Christ. They refuse Jesus and they are unrepentant of their sins. But if you're here tonight and you're like, Lord, I I give you every area of my life. I'm not going to hold on to it, harbor sin. I believe in Jesus. Then there is the pardon that is so beautiful. Isaiah 55, 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly... Pardon. Whatever you've done. You know, you're not here by random accident. You, maybe you even came with maybe not the best motives. You know, I'm not sure why you're here, but you're here. And if God brought you here, He brought you here to pardon you of your sins so that you would not have to face the sentence of what those sins will cause. And so this is how, it's as simple. You put your faith in Christ, not just here, but here. You put your faith in him and you turn from those sins and you turn to him. And so it's just cool, the, the heartache and then the hope. And then real quick, we're gonna see the pit and then and, and, and the prayer. Look at verse 43. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain and not pitied. You have covered yourself with a cloud that prayer should not pass through. You have made us as an off-scouring and refuse in the midst of the peoples. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and a snare have come upon us. Desolation and destruction. And this is why Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. It says in verse 48, my eyes overflow with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes flow and they don't stop flowing without interruption till the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes bring suffering to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. And I've had dreams where bad things have happened. I've had some dreams, and I'll tell you what, the crazy dreams, in my dreams, I remember just weeping, just weeping uncontrollably, waking up weeping. See, maybe you've never been through this, but man, this is crazy things that happen. And imagine if people die without Christ. And so what we find right here, he says, this is what happened. My my enemies, verse 52, without cause, hunted me down like a bird. They, they silenced my life in the pit and threw stones at me. The waters flowed over my head. I said, I am cut off. In other words, this is a time where I think Jeremiah, if you read Jeremiah 38, is when they threw him in the miry pit. He was sinking. We don't know how far down he was. Perhaps the waters were going above him. Perhaps he thought he was dead. This is maybe what he's experiencing. I think we have a little visual here. You can kind of see it. Um, Eventually they did go and they, you know, put their clothes and they took him up. But, But what we see right here is this pit that a person can be in. And my heart just aches to think that there are some who don't want to live. There are some who have given up on life. You know, I've learned, and and even myself as a Christian, sometimes you lose the motivation. Sometimes you're, you're fighting for it, you know, and, you know, maybe it's because of a mistake that you made. But God says, no, don't let the devil do that to you. I've got a future for you that's so amazing. Even if you feel like you're in that pit, right here, he says, let's, Let's pray ourselves out of it. Look what he says in verse 55. I have have called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sighing, from my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called on you and said, do not fear. You told me, God, don't fear. O Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul. You have redeemed my life. Oh, Lord, you have seen how I am wrong. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. Now, this is now, in one sense, him talking about how the Babylonians had wronged the Jews. And yes, they were an instrument of God, but man, they ran with it and God would deal with them. So he says in verse 61, you have heard the reproach, O Lord, all their schemes against me, the lips of my enemies, and their whispering against me all the day. Look at their sitting down and their rising up. I am their taunting song. Repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them a veiled heart. Your curse be upon them, and your anger pursue and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. <laughs> and the Jews, they were not wronged by God, but they were wronged by the Babylonians, which just as a side note, you know, the things that happen to us, the injustices that people experience, God might uh, uh, allow it, but He doesn't author the nature of it. And here we see uh, Jeremiah uh, in the end, he's praying. Uh, and it's kind of funny because for us with new Testament light, we probably wouldn't pray a prayer like this. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, he's saying, Lord, get me up out of the pit and Lord, if it's okay, can you get, them? <laughs> do you guys ever pray that uh, for people? <laughs> probably shouldn't. Um, Jesus said, uh, pray for your enemies, right? That they would get saved. But if they don't want to get saved, then Lord deal with them deal with them. Maybe we can pray something a little bit more like that. And so Jeremiah, um, in this book, amazing things that we see here, the heartache that we will go through in life. But my prayer is that we would not lose hope, you know? And so um, as we close today, I was thinking about um, this quote. Have you ever heard this quote? It says, life with Christ is an endless hope. Without him, it's a hopeless end. And Jesus is what makes all the difference in the world. You know, we have him as our Lord and Savior. I pray that no matter what it is that we're going through, that God would give us the grace and the strength to know that we have a future in him.